coming on here today because we want to go ahead and discuss what's going on in the Saskatoon um, um, strike that's going on today. And so I'm really uh, happy to have in the studio today uh, three guests. So again, I'd like to welcome everybody to um, CFCR, Civically Speaking. I'm your host, Lenora Swiston, and with me I have three guests. And I'm just going to quickly have my returning guests introduce themselves, and then we're going to jump into our newest third guest and get the show on the road here. Uh, Jason Hicks. That's really simplistic. Hi, Jason. Nice to have you back. Please share a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm I'm uh, active. Uh, I, I don't actually work for the co-op or or the union. I'm act, I'm active with a group that was recently started a grassroots group called uh, the Co-op Members for Fairness, um, and so I'm here today, I guess, to represent them and maybe shine a light on what we do. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's great. And next up, I'm Ashley Hicks. Um, I am actually a co-op employee. I'm. Uh, married to Jason Hicks. <laughs> In full disclosure. Yeah, thank you. And our newest guest here. Uh, hi, thanks. Uh, I'm Lucy Figueredo, Flack Figueredo. Keep forgetting my married name. <laughs> I'm the uh, Secretary Treasurer of UFCW Local 1400 and currently the Chief Negotiator for the Saskatoon Co-op at the table. Awesome. And thank you so much to our newest guest, Lucy, for joining the show. You know, I've brought you both back, Jason and, and Ashley, because, I mean, I want to start with you on just giving an update from your perspective on where we're at in the strike in terms of how long have we been out there on the picket line and from your perspective, what you're kind of seeing out there. And then we're going to jump to you, Lucy, and kind of go more into the depth of this and then free for all for, and to all of us around the table here. So we're sitting at day 154. Uh, We've been out since November 1st. Um, Not a whole lot has changed with the picketers. We are out there every day. Uh, It's a really tight-knit, strong-willed group. So we... uh, we plan on upholding co-op principles out on the line. And Jason, what can you add to that? Well, since since I've been on here last, that's like I said, we we formed the Co-op Members for Fairness uh, group. There's a website I'd like to little, leave a little bit of a plug for here at uh, coopmembersforfairness.ca. Um, there's lots of information on there. There's a call for nominations, which has been. Um, put out by the Saskatoon Co-op, and so we're looking for like-minded candidates to put their names forward, and we, we can help them with that. Um, there's a link to the seven resolutions that we've put forward um, that all tie into the seven cooperative principles. Um, information about rallies, links to petitions, and a link to our Facebook page, among other things. But. Okay, and let's go there for a minute. So go back to kind of your seven, what did you call them? The seven cooperative principles. Okay, well, do you want to go to those seven cooperative principles and kind of maybe go through them for a listening audience? Because I think part of the whole notion of what's getting lost in this argument um, and, and, and process is the fact that this is the ironic nature of a co-op being in a strike and a labor union involved and a board of directors and then another layering of board of directors at the federated cooperative level. Sure. Well, the seven principles, I'll run through them here, are uh, voluntary and open membership, um, democratic member control, members' economic participation, autonomy and independence, which is something I think that 
really rings true in this one where, where you see a lot of a lot of heavy-handed control from federated co-op in, in regards to bargaining and whatnot and everything. Um, education, training, and information for members and employees. Cooperation among cooperatives. And the concern for the community, which is another one I think that's been left behind. Yeah. And so, Ashley, when you hear those seven principles and you hear what's going on right now, and you, of course, being an employee, what, is, what, what does that ring for you? I just think that it, I get lost because I think that fundamentally we should be treating our employees equally. Um, at the very least, we should be able to be on the same kind of pay scale since we are doing the same work. You know, I just... I think that it gets really tiring when a cooperative starts to put profit before the actual people who are there delivering the service. Okay, and and you know that this is a it's, it, there's layers of complexity in here for sure. And, I, and again, Ashley, I know if I, if I was to take, and I have taken a picture of you, if I look at the picture of you, I mean, there's, there's a frustration and there's an anger to you right now. I get that. One of the things that I think is most compelling, whether you believe in cooperatives, whether you believe in labor unions or anything else, what I find really fascinating about the picketers that are out there is that you're not picketing for you. You're picketing for the future. And, I just I, if, if Jason or or Ashley, if you can kind of pick up on that and explain a little bit of what that means when I hear when I hear that on the picket lines when I've been out there, what interpreting what that means, Jason? Sure. Uh, well, I think one thing that we hear definitely from the co-op members and fairness uh, grassroots is that there's a lot of active, like-minded co-op members who are still have a lot of confusion about what a two-tier pay system is, and so I think that's something that needs to be cleared up. That all these that these new hires, when the contract is ratified, would be paid up almost five dollars an hour less than their counterparts working beside them, and they would never ever get to that same level of pay. So, I mean, it, and, and like our group was formed primarily out of a concern of the co-op's reputation going forward. We're concerned about where our co-op is headed, and it's it seems to be out of our control right now. So. Okay, and thank you for that. Now, Lucy, I want to bring you into this conversation because you're coming at it from a slightly different perspective. Mm-hmm. You're the union, so explain your role. Because here's Jason, you know, guy on the street, obviously has some connections, you know, to people that have worked there, has worked there himself, but also part of the community saying, okay, hey, co-ops, what's going on here? Got Ashley saying, hey, I'm an employee here. I get, I'm seeing the future going there. From a union's perspective, what, what's, what, what's at play here? Oh, man. I know. Uh, big question. So I, I have to state really quickly that I work at the union office. Yep. They are definitely the union. Uh, we, we've we had a lot of critiques. Sometimes you'll get a, a scab or someone who doesn't support a union making a comment on, uh, on our Facebook pages or on other uh, media or even Grant's own... Uh, materials where he says your union, uh, Norm Nault, is deciding this. They're not presenting things to you. And and the comment that comes out of our own picketers 
very quickly as they identify. They are the union. The difference is they are the union. So as someone who works at the union office, who's elected by the membership uh, to support them and to be a resource for them, it's been inspiring and absolutely overwhelming. I say I say all the time that I'm beautifully exhausted because um, we are inspired when you, you state your principles as a union organization, that you want people to have solidarity, that you want brothers and sisters to support each other, that you want to have uh, unification of the group uh, towards something bigger. There's no better example than the past five months of what this group of, of members has done and decided. There, there is no uh, additional money coming to those people who are walking on the picket line. Uh, we've had bargaining uh, over the past two years where clearly the employer is offering the same proposals for the existing uh, members. Uh, these, these people are walking purely because they don't want to... Um, I guess weaken the integrity of the collective agreement, but the comment that I hear most often where people are the most offended is that there just isn't any bargaining to be had, where the the institution of collective bargaining is almost non-existent because the employer's not negotiating. And that, that's one of the challenges that we have, and the bargaining committee is, is committed to to continue to try to to encourage negotiations to happen. And I mean, I also, we had attempted to get Rod Gillies, who's your chief negotiator there Mm -hmm. on the show, and I know they're in the middle of kind of like negotiations in terms of trying to get back to the table. So I just wanted to make a note of that too. And so if we need a round three, I'm hoping, you know, hopefully we don't need a round three because we have resolution. Well, currently Rod is bargaining another collective agreement, so it's not the co-op. We don't have any active dates uh, right right now with co-op. I think the, the status of bargaining the last time uh, occurred in February. So in February, we had um, a set of dates where the employer presented an offer to us. It was complicated and we couldn't, uh, they in fact put a condition on it that we couldn't meet. So the offer never went back to the membership. And uh, we ended up having membership meetings with the picketers just to get and reinforce to us and the bargaining committee that we're on the right path. And um, the the information that came out of that was was very clearly that we're on the right path. And and since that meeting, we've had consistent numbers. Uh, there are well over 520 people picketing every week. Uh, and uh, we know that we're representing at least what the mandate is of the, the workers. And, and that's the most important. And thank you for sharing that. So for folks that are just tuning in, this is CFCR Civically Speaking. I'm your host, Lenore Swiston, and I've got three awesome guests here. I've got Jason and Ashley Hicks, and I also have, and Lucy, you have to help me with your last name. Figueroa. There you go. That's a great name, Figueroa. I love that. Once I hear it, I can say it, and you're with UFCW 1400 as the Secretary Treasurer. You know, going to this whole issue of, of the strike, though, I mean, it's lengthy, you know, and so... I'm noticing, like, the, own, the the co-op that is near where I live on 22nd Street and kind of Avenue D, the fence is taken down, the pumps are going, or the pumps are going, people are going and getting gas and stuff in the confectionery. How long can this go on? Well, <laughs> um, well it's, a, it's a tough question, yeah. right? But, I mean, it's a question that people are asking. It's like, how long does this go on? And do, does it eventually get to the point where... You know, you get so fatigued that you just give up because you have nowhere else to go. I'm, I, I literally don't know, like, what what do you do? Well, I, I know that uh, 
the conversations, the picket lines, they're, I think I had heard it on your radio show the last time you guys were on where we talk about the culture of each line. And each line is very distinct. Uh, so practicality, maintaining a, a lengthy picket line, what are the, how long can it happen? We've, we've done things, we've made things, escalated, we've done different strategies, we've got uh, new people on the line, representatives from the national office. Uh, we just started a leafleting campaign. I, I guess... You know, the short answer is that we try to take small victories where we can find them when the big victory is still so far away. So recently we had a successful Labour Board decision regarding us being able to leaflet right in front of the doors. Yeah. That, those small victories pumped that line right back up. So now we've got a roving group of picketers who go from line to line supporting each other. And this was created from within. So these ideas and, and the ways to keep the lines moving and, and, and successful are coming directly from the line. And, and it, I, I feel as long as we still have that momentum, as long as we still have members who are saying this is not acceptable, the line will continue. Ashley? I think that she's absolutely right. On my line, it is super strong. I have a lot of very dedicated picketers that come every week. They make arrangements, change schedules if they have to, but they're there and they're going to be there. And they're definitely not going anywhere until this is over. I have um, heard from some people that they're ready to to um, to retire on the line if they have to. That's that's how dug in we are at this point. You know, and I and I hear that, and and so part of me is like, that's really commitment. When I hear dug in, that's also the criticism a lot of times that gets to both sides. That both sides are digging in. Is there some line in here where there's there is a, a flex to it? You know, and 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 what's that discussion that's going on a little bit out there on that? You know, I, I think a lot of that will come to is there negotiations, and that's where I come to the yeah. the second offense. So the first offense is okay, you're asking for the second tier, but the second offense being you're not willing to negotiate with the bargaining committee. If I I feel like if there's a perception from the membership that there's conversations being had, there's give back and forth, uh, that there's negotiations that, that are occurring where they're listening to the bargaining committee, I suspect suddenly you get some movement and there's some loosening of where you think we're dug in. Mm -hmm. But right now, as it sits today, nothing yet. Well, and, I, and you know, Jason, I, I want to go to you because, I mean, some of this, when I mean this, between a union and, and you know, the, the corporate entities and those that are involved at the bargaining table, that can be an internal thing that can happen and or not happen, but the public doesn't have any clue, right? It's not hitting the papers per se. It may only be hitting the certain loops. So, Jason, from the community end, what happens? Um. I put you on the spot as you were looking at your phone at feeds of, of community stuff. But, I mean, when you when you look at, like, the, the entity that's been created, what's the role there that it plays well, I or needs to play? I mean, there definitely, def definitely we need to step up the game uh, as a community to put more pressure on them. And that's the only way I think we're going to go forward with this. Um, we need to go up towards the the annual general meeting with a coordinated effort. And when's that annual general meeting for those that are interested in this stuff? They've scheduled it for June 20th. Okay. 
And so we've been arranging a number of town hall meetings leading up to that. Yeah. Um, we've actually got another one coming up on um, Thursday, April 18th from 7 to 9 at sta- Station 20 West. Um, so any co- it's open to any co-op member that wants to come out. If they have any questions, there's representatives from different groups and and uh, we've got different committees set up. But uh, definitely, I think it's a coordinated effort that needs to, needs to come from the community. And, 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 and I think that's the, probably one of the crucial roles here is that, you know, uh, the community has to be a player in this argument. Otherwise, it's showing the relevance of what's going on here. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, part of the, uh, the principles of the, of the cooperatives, uh, you would have some some input from employees into how the cooperative is run. And that's just not something you see here at all. I mean, they don't, they don't want to sit down with, with the employees. They don't want to dis- dis- engage in any conversation. Ashley? I mean, cooperatives were literally born out of a need, a need to spread the cost over a large area and be able to get things done in a cooperative manner. I mean, the... The hard point that I want to make about how important this particular fight is, is we can't have people not afford to be able to live. I mean, I moved to Saskatoon in 2002, so like 17 years ago, the cost of living was, it was decent. You could, you could work a minimum wage job and live here, and pay your bills. I think that today it becomes so hard because minimum wage did not keep up with inflation. People can't live off of a wage like that today. And I've been a part of a two-tier system before. It is super hard to get out of it every single time you go back to bargaining. It comes back every time. You know, it's a it's a permanent bargaining tool because they can always use tier one against tier two, and I've seen it happen. I've 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 lived in a workplace like that before. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's not you know an unfair labor practice, I have no idea what is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to I want to go to Lucy here. When you hear that, that's probably music to your ears from somebody from. From the you know directly inside the union, but I appreciate what you're saying, Ashley, because I think even if you were not, and I've emphasized this. I mean, people know my perspective on this is that I'm a believer that co-ops exist for a reason, that they're there to promote the principles of cooperatives, and that I find it really, really a, the biggest enigma ever to see something like this happen within a cooperative framework because you would think that would be the last place it would happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the record strongly on that. The complexity of this, though, is that you have, you know, I'm hearing this discussion around, you know, this is about, you know, quality of life. This is about standard of living on all this sort of stuff. And, you know, and I've said this to you before we got on air, um, you know, Lucy, in terms of that, oops, sorry, um, that in terms of, um, you know, the role of unions is that people feel like that's passe. We got to move past that. What do you say to that? Well, very obviously we can't. Uh, very obviously there's, there's a need. Uh, unions 
Uh, we always, I took Union 101 when I was in the youth internship, and they talk about the myths and the realities of unions, and it's far beyond just. Uh, you know, you protect the, the the workers that aren't working as hard. It's they're a social activist group, and and when people can identify, and this 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 picket line has illustrated that so well. When people identify what a union is, you clearly see that it's far more than I'm just getting you benefits. I'm just getting you wages. It is. It is a family, it is a group that supports each other and has the same values. And so we act in support of that. Uh, I, you had said how, how it's music to my ears when I see somebody who's on the picket line who understands fundamentally the challenges and the um, attack that's happening with these proposals that the employer presented, and it is. There's lots of times we go into bargaining and we hope that the unit that we're bargaining for absolutely understands and is strong enough to battle against those those concessions that employers often ask for. Um, and in some most cases, it's it, it was a surprise that it was a co-op that was asking for these concessions. So you had said it, you know, definitely disappointing that, that we're, we're having to battle those, whereas in the past we're looking at, you know, corporations and other larger companies that are seeking these concessions, and here we have been spending the past two years uh, fighting them from a co-op. Yeah, and I think, I mean, something else, too, that, you know, I hear in not just Coffee Row, but in all kinds of different kinds of circles is that, you know, this doesn't have to be a discussion about for and against. Mm-hmm. Labor doesn't have to be against business. Profit isn't a dirty word if you turn it into investment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the way, it's the words that's, you know, words matter, but actions matter too. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting to see more businesses realize that by being more socially responsible, there's a return on that investment, not just socially, but economically, environmentally, and otherwise, the stewardship principles, which are very much at the core, as you said, Ashley, at the foundation of co-op. You can see me preaching cooperatism here. But, I mean, there's an evidence base to this stuff that it actually just helps good business and good labor practices. I would argue that we've uh, shown that to be true with all of our previous collective agreements with the co-ops, because they've done very well. Uh, We've had great working conditions, uh, conditions that we want to protect for future generations, and the co-op has definitely been successful as a business model uh, within those confines. Well, and I think that's the enigma, right, is that we're finding, is like, well, why in the heck are they even having this as a battle when they're doing well? And you always see, for anybody that's flipping open, you know, the top 100 companies, the top 100 profits, you see Federated Co-op right at the top, and you're like, okay, well, then what the heck's the problem here? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, naively or otherwise, from the outside, it's just looks like this is a really strange little pickle that they've that, that we've gotten into. But again, having said that, you know, Jason, from your perspective, from the community's role, you know, there's got to be fatigue out there, guys. Even though the weather is warmed up, and I know you're saying rah rah, and you've got to say that. But at the same time, like, how do you how do you overcome the just the length? Because it's now on what day, Ashley? 154. So for those tuning in, 154. Think of a donation of $154 to community radio and what that means. But think of 154 days of people being on a picket line and they're not actually working. Jason, what's the com- what does the community need to do from your perspective? And what happens if the community doesn't live up to an expectation? Well, I mean, most, most simply, the community's got to stop shopping there. And it doesn't... That's by and large been the 
been been the case. And what does that do? Because I think that's the link people need. What does that do if they don't? Well, if we don't put that that kind of financial pressure on on the company on the co-op, then there's really no incentive for them to bargain. And I mean, people haven't been shopping there, and they're they're it's it's been put, taking a toll on them. You can see them cutting back on security and and like all, all kinds of things right right now. But uh, yeah, it's just it's got to keep up. Uh, people have got some. There's still a number of people shopping there. They've got to. We've got to get the message out that some some people uh, have, I've heard a common thread that uh, they sh- they only shop at the Center Mall store, and not to pick any fights with anyone yeah, at the Center yeah. Mall store. It's the same co-op. You're still yeah. supporting the, the the company's bottom line. Yeah, yeah, Ashley. I think that <clears throat> if we are seriously needing to make an impact on the co-op, the only way we can do that is by by not shopping there. And I'm just going to echo exactly what Jason said. If they don't feel any pressure, there's no incentive to bargain. Um, And really, if they expect such exceptional customer service to be delivered by their employees, they need to treat them fairly. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't expect a person to deliver exceptional customer service if they have to go out and get a second job because they can't afford to live on that one. That's a pretty pretty strong punch you just delivered there in terms of a, of a, of a, a message out there. Lucy, comments from you from the union perspective. I think I, I wanted to address your comment on fatigue because yeah. it is, it's five months and yeah. there there is fatigue. This has been a job for most of these picketers since November 1st. Uh, but there's also fatigue on their side as well. And there has to be because we've seen the effect that it's had on the stores. We've seen, uh, we've just ramped up our informational leafleting. Uh, and I've got people telling me, well, there's no point in being at this store because there's just no cars in that parking lot. So we move on to different stores. So I think that the the, the thing that motivates us and that maintains it, uh, the line, even throughout month five, is that um, we have community groups that are supporting us, which are absolutely important. We have members of the community supporting us every day on the line and believe it or not the donuts and pizzas still are important but it's also that the customers in the community for every 10 comments that are on Facebook online nine are in support of those picketers and the values that the co-op is supposed to have. Awesome well thank you for those comments. Guess what to all three of you we've run out of time. That's crazy. I know it goes so fast. So I just want to thank Ashley and Jason Hicks for coming on the show, representing the different points of view from community and from being on the picket line yourself. And Lucy Flack. Figueredo. Figueredo from UFCW 1400. I also appreciate you being on the show as well. You said there's a couple of upcoming events. So quickly again, Jason. Uh, yeah. The next co-op members for town hall, Sorry, Co-op Members for Fairness Town Hall meeting will be held on Thursday, April 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Station 20 West. Awesome, and thank you so much. And for those of you, check out all of the different information online. Study it up yourself. If you care about co-ops, if you care about your city, and even if you take a completely divergent point, which is totally great, too, because we encourage the diversity of opinion in that. I know mine isn't necessarily that of the stations or anybody in this in this studio. We all have our own separate ways of getting to know, but become informed. That's why you tune into stations like... 
community radio CFCR dot um, you know ninety point five FM. That's why you tune into shows like Civically Speaking, and that's why you get a membership with CFCR. So go online, get informed on the co-op strike, also get informed on community radio, and make a difference out there in the world. All right, go out there and. 